Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, we're going to do a Christmas message. Christmas message this morning. And uh, so why are we here? Why are we here? Uh, As Christians, it's very, very relevant why we're here. We're heading into a year where it's going to become more and more confusing. And people are going to hopefully ask more and more questions. Is there a God? Is there a God? Is there something after this life? And guys, we have to be prepared to give every person a proper biblical answer when they ask us that. Father, we thank you for the morning. And we ask your blessing upon it. We pray for those families, as we know, uh, according to just statistics, rough statistics, about 5,800 people died yesterday in America. Not just those four teens. They died of heart disease, of cancer, of unfortunately suicide, of drug overdoses, of diabetes, of so many illnesses that brought about by the curse, as we're going to see this morning. It's a part of this life. We have to accept that. And so Lord, we pray for wisdom and discernment in dealing with that individually with those who cross our paths and comforting family members or friends who have lost a loved one recently or this past year. Give us balance. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Give us much love and compassion as well, in, as well as speaking the truth in love, bringing people back to the facts. So Lord, bless this time. I pray for the gift of teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. So why are we here today? You know, why do we take the time to gather together to acknowledge something that so many say is irrelevant? Church is irrelevant. Uh, years ago, no one in America would have ever thought that that would have been spoken and then that would have been actually taken place and squelched here in America. Uh, we had a visitor last week that came in and shook my hand at the door, and, and we, they came here years ago. They live in the state of Washington right now. And then as my wife met, uh, went over and talked to them during meet and greet, they said, you know, it was, it was so strange shaking Pastor Jim's hand. That's the first hand I've shook in months. And it's really weird coming in here and seeing people together and loving each other without all masked up and, and living in fear. We, we aren't allowed to do this in Washington. We are not allowed to do this. That's the problem. It comes down to control. It is all about fear and control. It's real, but there is a bigger agenda. Is the church irrelevant? Is the Bible irrelevant? Society is saying yes, yes, and that you as a Christian are the problem. You're going to see that more and more in 21. And how is it that this one irrelevant man, this baby named Jesus, has had such an impact upon the whole world? Even upon religions that were established prior to his coming. Think about that sometime. Do some study on that. But that is what Christmas is all about. What God did through his one and only son, Jesus. That's why we're here. But most of the world doesn't acknowledge that. 
He's a great prophet. He's a good teacher. Some don't even believe that he came. Most of the world looks at it as a religious holiday, not an opportunity to come to know God personally. If they did, churches would be filled, packed. That's your religious holiday. Go do your thing. If that makes what makes you happy, go do it. But as those who trust in the Bible, we're here today to acknowledge why true believers celebrate this season. We're here to celebrate this one specific man who has changed the course of billions of people throughout roughly the last 2,000 years. There has been no other man who has done this, and it's not just a temporal emotion, a temporal emotion, but it's an eternal commitment. So much of our love that we have, one word in English, love is based on emotions. You know, I love a burger. I love my wife. That's a problem. We only have one word to describe this term love. Well, God has unconditional, committed, selfless love, and that's called agape love, which we cannot have apart from the Holy Spirit. And as believers, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Now we need to tap into that. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1. Let's look at the word to understand better why are we here today. That's the question. Why are we here today? Why are you here today? Maybe you came out of uh, love for your family members who have asked you, and you say, okay, I'll go already. Leave me alone. You know, they just love you. I, I think that's a pretty nice reason that they've asked you to come. It's not that they hate you. It's that they love you and want you to hear that God loves you. I think that's pretty nice. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man or mankind in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's very important. Let them have dominion. Or rule. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we find something unique in those verses. We as humans are unique as we are made first and foremost in the image or likeness of God. That's very important when somebody asks you this coming year, why are you a believer? Why are you a Christian? What is this life all about? Did we come from the the goo to the zoo to you or did we come from God? There's just two groups of people. You came from creation or you came through evolution. And when you roll it all back, You can have a decade of conversation. I have the conversation in 30 seconds. People either believe in God, which no one can explain where he came from, or you believe in gases, where no one can explain where they came from. Both have that end. That's just reality. So I choose to believe in the word of God and God. And most scientists today know that that's a fact. We as humans are unique as we have made in the image and likeness of God. And with that, 
God has given us the blessed privilege of having a free will. When I said scientists believe in that, they believe that, that we didn't come from evolution. They know that there has to be, there has to be some type of designer. It's so intricate. We are so intricate. And everything is so designed down to the minutest detail that there has to be something out there that, that created all this. That's what I meant by that. Not all scientists believe in God. We can choose to acknowledge his creative work with humanity or we can deny it. That's the wonderful thing of free will. The choice is ours to make. Very important that we relay this in 21 to people who ask us. You have free will. You can, you can choose to, to accept God or reject God. And with that choice, we either start or stop that process of seeking after the one who created us, God. And that's why we're here this morning as believers because we're seeking after God. And when thinking about choices, it's the only choice that will affect our lives for all of eternity. There is a God. There is no God. That choice is going to affect everyone's eternal state. And what do I mean by that? Well, every birth that we celebrate ends with a death at some point down the road. Every birth that we celebrate ends with a death at some point down the road. Paul talks about it in Corinthians as this, that this corruptible, if you're younger than 25, are you younger than 25? Raise your hand if you're younger than 25. Let's see all the younger people younger than 25. Be excited because your body is still going up. When you hit 25, <laughs> you're starting that downhill descent. Sometimes rapidly, sometimes slowly. But that's pretty much your peak when you're 25. Well, Claudia and I were enjoying some time with one of our grandkids. Uh, the name will not be mentioned in order to pr protect the guilty. But it was on Christmas night. A wonderful day. We had a wonderful day uh, visiting and all kinds of things. And as they were sitting on the sofa, Claudia was applying her new Christmas lotion to her arms. Which brought to the child's attention that her arms now look young again. <laughs> you know where this is going, I bet. We both turned 60 this year, so it's like, okay, where is this going to go? <laughs> Claudia took that as a wonderful compliment until he looked at her neck and face <laughs> and said, but your neck and face still look old. <laughs> Thinking, kids. So Claudia said, let me try some lotion on my neck then. <laughs> she applied it, and then came the reply from the child. It didn't help. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sitting in the lazy boy just laughing. And of course, she had to bring Papa into it. Like, Mind your own business. In which he told her, his neck is fine, but when he looks down to read, his neck puffs out. <laughs> Guess that's getting old. <laughs> oh boy, the joy of innocent talking kids. But really, <laughs> honestly, Claudia says, at this age, who needs it? Who cares, you know? We're trying to stay young looking, yet when the simple fact remains, our bodies are falling apart and no amount of lotion... We'll stop that fact. You see, where the temporal earthly life began and will end 
is where our eternal spiritual life takes over. And that's why I say DNR. I'm so excited about going home to be with Jesus. I'm not you know, weird about it. I'm just excited about it. And since God dwells in that eternal place, what, he was, what was he thinking when he sent his one and only son into the world? He was thinking of his unique creation, mankind. In 1 Timothy 1.15, we read this. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it, out of the New Living Translation. Christ Jesus, the Messiah, came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Paul writing this. Paul. Paul who's now had decades with Jesus, has been filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm the worst of all sinners. And as you read his letters in the early part, he didn't say this in the early part. He just said, yeah, I'm a sinner like you. And yeah, we're all sinners. And now at the end of his life, what's he writing? I'm the worst. And now the King James says, I'm the chief of all sinners. Does that mean that he got really good at sin and he did it all the time? Or is it implying, as you read the scriptures, that the closer you get to the light, the more your heart is exposed, even those deep crevices that have been hidden maybe from your spiritual eyes for maybe decades, and the Lord illuminates it and you go, oh, I thought I was over that. Oh, I didn't even know that exists. Here I am 60 years old and I'm still dealing with that. God, thank you for your grace and mercy. That's what Paul's saying. Why would God care so much about humanity? Because Adam and Eve went from from an uncursed state in the garden to a cursed state, and they had to move out of the garden. They went from an intimate fellowship with God to a broken fellowship with God. You see, once Adam and Eve sinned, every human that now enters this world is born a sinner. Many will argue otherwise, but it's been said this way, We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. If you don't think that's true, go work in two and three-year-olds. You'll find out real quick. And that's why God cares so much about humanity. Without his help, we'd be doomed, without hope, forever lost, eternally damned. Doesn't sound like any good news. Yeah, I thought the Bible was full of good news. Romans 7.13 says this, Has then what was good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, has produced, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. So the word of God is good and expresses my sinful state that I need a savior. That's what the Bible is for. It's that light that exposes my sinful state. And even as a believer that I need to continually repent. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. So as you're sharing in 21, all means all, which means you and I. So we let that person know, I'm no different than you. I need a Savior. Because unfortunately, what happens is people look at you as, oh, you're self-righteous. Oh, you're more holy than thou, are you? No, 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 no. We're all in need of Savior. Every one of us. And since all of mankind needs a Savior, then God obviously needed to send someone who could save us. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, we read this. For he made him who knew no sin 
to be sin for us, that he, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. For God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Again, this is why we celebrate Christmas, because God knew our need for a Savior, and that, is, and that there was no way we could meet that need. We needed someone who could identify with us, yet wasn't sinful like us. It's what the Bible calls a substitutionary sacrifice, where the blood of an animal sacrifice covers the sins of a person. And you might not realize this, but I encourage you to study this. In Islam, they, to this day, in Islam, need a blood sacrifice to cover their sins. In Judaism, they need a blood sacrifice to cover their sins. And when the church is gone and the temple is rebuilt in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount, which will happen, they are once again going to go to animal sacrifices once again on the Temple Mount. So this shouldn't be some far off weird thing, you know, done in some back corner. This is reality. This is reality. Why? Well, Leviticus 17.11 tells us this, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Science finally caught up with the Bible. They used to cut, they used to take and, and, and pull blood out of people. They will get the sickness out of you by drawing your blood out. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, your inner man, your sinful nature. For it is the blood, notice this, it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. So the question is, who's your blood sacrifice? What is your blood sacrifice? How could Jesus be that sacrifice? Well, Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Well, God, you just don't understand. He was born in a barn. Jesus was born in a barn. He didn't have a palace He didn't have the fastest mule. He wasn't riding in a cart for his whole ministry. The disciples weren't carrying him. He walked, he worked, he breathed, just like you and me. He was poor, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. You see, we're tempted, and the Bible says that there's no sin in temptation, James says. Sin takes place when I act out at that temptation, So Jesus was tempted just like you and I are, but he never acted upon that temptation, so he never sinned. Peter goes on to say this, 1 Peter 2.22, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. This is why Jesus is that acceptable sacrifice that's spoken about in Christianity. Now it's becoming clear why believers celebrate Christmas. It's, It's not about the gifts, the toys, the lights, the extra day off of work. And we celebrate Christmas because we are living in darkness, hopelessly lost, and we were heading to hell. I was, for sure. But now with the birth of God's one and only Son, Jesus, believers have the blessed privilege to be known by God. Galatians 4.9 says this, but now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, well, 1 John 4.19 says this, we love him because he first loved us. You see, God knows us before we were ever created in eternity past. Before he spoke, before Jesus spoke everything into being, God knew us. He's outside our time realm, which is, we just can't grasp, but he's outside our time realm. 
So as we wrap it up, I just want to ask you this question. So do you know God personally this morning? And as we go into 21, the arguing isn't going to stop. It's just going to intensify between Republicans and Democrats. It's only going to intensify. It's only going to intensify between black and whites and Mexicans. It's only going to intensify between males and females because spiritually, in the spiritual world, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy through deception, through deceiving you and I into believing that we can't love one another because, oh, you're of that party affiliation. I can't love you. Matter of fact, I hate you. And I hate what you stand for. That is being promoted and has been promoted for the last nine months. Two groups of people promoting hate for the other group of people. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? If you were to die today, are you absolutely certain that you would go to heaven? And again, these are questions that we need to ask people in 21. Are you absolutely sure if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? You're going to enter eternal state sooner or later. Everyone does, 10 out of 10, still to this day. So do you know? You see, it's a serious question that only you can answer. Only you individually can answer. So if you're ready to receive Jesus right here, right now, and you might be going, oh no, I'm not doing anything weird like that. I'm not asking you to do anything weird. I'm not going to make you do anything weird. It's just an opportunity that we have this morning. It's my opportunity to ask you and to allow you, if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, to where you're sitting right now, say a simple little prayer. And it's not about the prayer, it's about your heart. If what I've shared with you in these few short moments starts to make sense, and again, you're not going to figure it out. You're not going to have it all. Don't wait till you have it all figured out to accept Jesus because you're not going to figure it all out. None of us have. As Christians, no one in this room has it all figured out. You have to take that first step of just receiving Jesus as your Savior. Then the Holy Spirit will come within you, according to the Bible. The Holy Spirit, who is God, will come within you. And then the Holy Spirit will start to help you understand what you just did. If you wait to understand before you do it, you're never going to do it. Be careful. Be careful. You will never be able to blame God from this day forward that God didn't tell you that he loves you. God loves you, I'm telling you, God loves you. God sent his son Jesus to die for you. You have free will. You accept God, you accept Jesus, or you don't. You will never be able to blame God ever again for not giving you an opportunity. You have it right now. As the saints are praying in the spiritual world, even over the internet, as maybe someone's tuned in, and is watching this right now on the internet, and maybe they don't know Jesus as their Savior. Maybe they're searching, even right now, with all the despair that's going on in America and in the world, all the fear that is being promoted, God is with us. And God will deliver us from that fear. So if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, right where you're sitting, whether you're a a young person or you're in your 70s or your 80s, if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior right now, just with your eyes closed and your heart open to God, just pray this simple prayer with me. God, 
I acknowledge that I am a sinner, which means I need a savior. I'm separated from you. But when I take my last breath, I want to go to heaven. So God, I I repent. I turn to you right now. And I ask for your forgiveness. I acknowledge my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. And I ask Jesus to come into my life that I become born again. As Jesus said, you must be born again. I want to become born again. I invite your Holy Spirit into my life right now. I'm not sure what this all means. But God, I'm going to trust you. Even as we sang earlier, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust you're going to show me. You're going to show me what this all means. What Christianity is all about. You're going to show me. And so I say thank you. Thank you for accepting me right now and that I am now your son. I'm now your daughter. And that I can now call you my father. I've always thought of you as far off. But now you dwell within me, my father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we continue to pray, maybe you're with us this morning and maybe you've been away from God. Maybe you just decided to come this morning and you just stopped in. I want to encourage you as, again, the believers are praying. I want to read a few scriptures. 2 Timothy 2 says this, And the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, must not argue, but be gentle to all, able to teach and patient. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition to the word of God, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And then in Luke, the prodigal son, when the father goes out to the older son, and he says to the oldest son, the elder son, the father, and he said to him, Son, you're always with me. And not all, all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. So as we continue praying, if you would like to pray a prayer, I'd like to pray this prayer of repentance with you and just repeat after me as a believer. If you're here today on the, over the internet or in person, just, just pray this simple prayer. Father, thank you that you never left me. You've never forsaken me. You've always loved me. I was the problem, not you. 
I was the one, not you. And so, Father, I repent right now. I accept that free gift of repentance. And I turn back to you and I apologize. I'm sorry for what I did. And I want to be made right with you right now. So I thank you for forgiving me and cleansing me. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Help me to get back into the Bible, reading the Word of God from day to day. Help me to get back into my prayer life. Help me to get back into Christian fellowship. Help me, Father, through your Holy Spirit to once again get on that road of sanctification, of becoming more like your Son. Help me, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Father, we thank you for 2020, even in all of the the chaos. You're God. You are God. And as we sang, we're going to keep trusting in you in 21. Because we know you have a plan, you have a purpose, and you're drawing people to you. So as ambassadors for Christ, help us to be available to those who are around us in 21 that will give them that living hope that we have to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.